Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. All right, we are rolling. Once again, thank you for joining me. At the Operator Podcast, we had a lot of fun last week, and I'm excited to do it again this week. Lots to discuss. As usual, I have some notes that I've taken and hopefully some research that I've done that you will enjoy. I know I enjoyed looking a lot of stuff up. Sometimes I get onto one of my bullet points, and then all of a sudden I go off on tangents because, as usual, we get into politics. Sometimes we get into war stories or training stories or other stuff that that we enjoy. But because we had a little time, a little downtime over the holiday, Independence Day, we all seem to be a little bit closer to the freedom that we're so lucky to have and also closer to our mobile devices so we can look at those and some of the events that have happened. We've been enthralled with a story involving the ocean and some civilian explorers slash tourists that tried to go down to the Titanic. It imploded. Everyone was looking at that. And then obviously it was discussed whether or not that was sort of a cover up to go what's going on with the first family and the first son and all that. We discussed that last week. We might bring that up again, but I was interested in the ocean because we were looking at it. And then I was noticing some other stories around the world, around the East coast of the United States, stuff that happens when, we as mankind get into Mother Ocean and run into marine life because we're kind of spoiled that we think we run everything, but once you you dip a one of your little tootsies into the water, you're officially at the bottom of the food chain. So we're going to discuss that as well. Some history lessons, I hope, what happened on this day involving the ocean. That's what uh, piqued my existence, and we're going to get into that. I'm excited in about a minute, but first, we because we're going to inevitably, inevitably get into politics and what happens with people who... I almost said run the country. That would have only been right if I said run the country into the ground. But with what they're doing and printing money, I need to discuss what's happening in your life financially with banks collapsing. There's about 186 banks on the verge of collapsing, and we don't want yours to be next because the Fed always does the same thing. They print money out of three out of thin air like they did a few months ago back in March. They printed $300 billion dollars making the dollar worthless, and there's always a talk of recession that could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement account. So take my advice, protect your financial future with something real, something you could touch. Gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. 
Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has been only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with Trustlink, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com. Protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call today at 844-790-9191. Don't let the Fed play Monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. So go to protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Allegiance Gold. And also on the Operator Podcast, we talk about security. We talk about privacy. And I, you know, I got to ask you, do you know what a VPN is? It's a virtual private network, a secure tunnel between your device and the internet. VPNs protect you from online uh, everything. Using the internet without ExpressVPN, that's ExpressVPN, is like writing a very important paper but not hitting save once in a while or at the end. I mean, you're good most of the time, but then your system crashes or you get a freeze. Is it all gone? Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, like at a coffee joint, a hotel, airports, any Wi-Fi, any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data, stuff you don't want them to have, your uh, passwords or banking info. And it doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack someone. Just some cheap hardware is needed, and a, a smart 12-year-old could do it. And hackers can make up to uh, about 1000 bucks per person selling personal info that you don't give them permission to have on the dark web. So uh, what ExpressVPN will do for you is, uh, I mentioned an encrypted tunnel. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the Internet. So hackers can't see your sensitive data. They can't steal it. Very secure. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer about a billion years with if you're using ExpressVPN. It's very easy to use. Just get the app, fire up the app, click one button, and get protected. It works on everything, your phones laptops, tablets, and more, so you can stay secure on the go. Uh, I travel quite a bit. It's important for me. Security reasons, I like privacy with my data, with my investment, with my passwords. I travel a lot, so I want it to be as if I was at home, and uh, I even use it at home. So security is a peace of mind, and you can't put a price on that. So secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash the operator, expressvpn.com slash the operator. That's E X P R E S S VPN.com slash the operator. And you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash the operator. But yeah, episode uh, 53. Pretty excited. The operator podcast. Uh, as always, I want to hear your opinion on this what you think is an operator, what you want to tell me as an operator. Hit me up on social media, all of them, at Mikuya, it should be. And I would love to hear what you think, because everyone's got an opinion on this subject. We seem to get back to the ocean. It is the summertime, and people are getting in the oceans. And I love history, and because it's July 12th, uh, 107 years ago, there was a series of shark attacks off the coast of New Jersey, right around a time where... 
People really didn't even think sharks would attack people back in the day, back in 1916, where they would say that sharks have just they their teeth are sharp and small, so they can grab onto fish, and there's no way a shark could break a human bone. And people were getting into the water, and inevitably, if you get into someone else's someone else's, if you get into um, an animal's natural habitat, and it's not your natural habitat, and you run into them, there could be issues, and you know, there are sharks in the ocean. And I kind of want to talk about what's happened. What happened then? We're going to go back and talk about those attacks that spawned all the shark craze, basically. And then some of the stuff that's happening now, because there's been a few shark attacks this summer where people have been bitten by sharks as they're surfing or paddle boarding, uh, standing in the water, stuff like that. But not every... Not every attack is a shark attack, and not every sighting is a shark. When they <clears throat> there's some footage. Well, I mean, there is some cool footage if you haven't seen it. I think it's a great hammerhead swimming in between people, and you can see the big dorsal fin. And it's it's actually when I first saw the video of the shark swimming with the people who were it's like people waiting in the water and not even a big surf zone, and then people out there swimming, and there's this hammerhead kind of finessing his way <laughs> through whatever. And I like great hammerheads. I think they're probably the smartest shark out there. But he's just doing his thing, and people start screaming and panicking like people do. Uh, and if one person panics, we all panic because it's uh, it's contagious as hell. We just we're herd animals a lot of the time, and we're prey animals, especially when we're in the the ocean. People freaking out and they're yelling at the the guy who's out there swimming. Shark didn't do anything. He just kind of left. He was on his own. <clears throat> but uh, allegedly, people were bit, and I I wasn't there, so pro- they might have been. But then. We've got drones now, and we've got um, lifeguards who are out there, and you've got people in boats, and they said they spotted, and like the news was all over this because they love to report chaos. They love it for the ratings, and there were saying this is this this month that you know there's schools of sharks right off the coast, and and they're trying to make it sound like there's these raving lunatic finding Nemo great whites out there in, in hordes waiting for the people to come to the come to the depth so we can eat you and that's not the case at all and actually this the schools they were showing were i think and i have heard i wasn't there and i'm not a marine biologist i heard they were black drumfish that are out there feeding on um you know fish to come out there that are that are prey fish uh they saw those and they want them to be sharks obviously and, and other people are correcting them saying no those are sandbar sharks and they're they're living in the sandbars and both like a black drum fish gets up to five feet long obviously not a man eater but it's there to hunt fit smaller fish and then a sandbar sharks doing the same thing but sandbar sharks they get about six feet long and sandbar um sharks get a another a bad reputation because they're known for their tall dorsal fin they got a snub nose but a really tall dorsal fin and a dorsal fin for people is a reason to freak out which, by the way, is what you don't want to do. If you start splashing in the water, you're not going to scare a shark away. They're just going to think you're in distress and you're a prey animal. Actually, the way to handle a shark, easier said than done. Uh, I've been in the water with uh, apex predators. We'll get into that in a minute. But the way to do it is you, you, the first thing you do is face them and make eye contact. Ideally, when you get in the ocean, you're not going to do this every time. But if you're out swimming, you want to have a mask. You want to have fins. And you want to be aware of your surroundings. But we've seen, I've seen people demonstrate, uh, you know, scientists demonstrate that when they start splashing their fins, the shark will come after, not after them, but it really gets interested because potentially it's prey. 
and they come check it out. But once you face them, you can, um, they're not, if they realize that you're a predator too, they might not um, attack. But uh, there there are arguments between the black drum fish or the sandbar sharks, but the media made it sound like all this stuff. So there's a wide, you know, there's a panic. But like these sandbar sharks are found everywhere from Massachusetts down to Brazil. And like juveniles are common in the Chesapeake Bay and there's nursery grounds and stuff like that. And sharks, when they are young, they stay in the shallows because other sharks will eat other sharks. Um, but the reason a lot of these animals, a lot of these fish are chilling out there is because there's bunker fish that come out of the estuaries. And an estuary is a, is a partially enclosed coastal body of water, like brackish water, sort of fresh, sort of uh, salty. But because of certain times of year and the sun and all that nonsense, not nonsense, but the stuff that when I say nonsense, I think it means stuff that I don't understand. The the older fish know they go back to their spawning grounds. And they spawn in the estuaries. And then these the babies, they when they come out, then the prey animals, including whales, start coming in closer because that's where the prey is. And that's where we are. And um, that's what they're seeing. But um, the media just loves this stuff because. You know, like I said, it gets ratings and whatnot, and it's it's not the case that even if you see a shark, it's it's not going to attack you. It's actually it's cooler to see a shark than to think about seeing a shark. Like when I was diving with sharks, it was a lot like skydiving, where not a lot like skydiving. It's actually nothing like skydiving, but the sensation is the same. Like it's it's scarier in the boat and walking to the edge and jumping in than it is to actually seeing the shark. When we were in Bimini, we were diving with great hammerheads and tiger sharks up close with no cages, and it was spooky at first, but when you get in, it's actually really, really cool. With skydiving, you're scared until you get out, and then it's just uh, it's just game on. You know, you know why um, you ever seen scuba divers when, they, when they, they're sitting on the boat? You know why they always fall backwards into the water? Is Well, because if they fell forward, they'd just fall into the boat. I mean, it's fascinating getting in the ocean, and people just love hearing about shark attacks, and they're real. If, if if you've been in the ocean, you've had a positive encounter with a shark, you just don't realize it. And we are not on the menu. If 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 people if sharks wanted to eat people, there would be not just attacks, but um, I mean, there's a difference between being bitten by a shark and being attacked by a shark. Uh, being bitten by a shark is simply because they don't they don't have arms. And what's their one way to tell what you are is by taking a bite. So what you need to take in, into consideration is that they are the apex predator and you are not. And if, they want, if they're curious which sharks are, they might take a bite. So you don't want to screw up. When I always say don't talk yourself into an ass whoop and don't be the reason that you got attacked by a shark. And that what does that mean? If there are sea lions present, like a, a place like Chatham Bars Inn in uh, Cape Cod, might not be the best idea to go paddleboarding with a bunch of sea lions because there are great white sharks out there. And even if a great white doesn't mean to attack you, but he bites you, that's what we would call devastating. That's a big shark. So the muddy water thing, don't swim where sharks are used to feeding. If if they're no because there were there's well, there's a shark attack that happened off the coast of Egypt in the Red Sea and they're trying to say that well these are kind of rare nah they're really not it happens once in a I mean once in a while once the summer's too many uh, fatality it's happened this year it happened last year 
and it could be anything from this year, the the horrific attack that you may have seen, it, it circulated for a while on the internet. And if, I mean, if you have a, a tolerance, you can check it out. It's, it's too bad it happened. Uh, but a, a man was killed by a tiger shark, and actually part of him was eaten. So this, this I mean, it, it can happen. And that could be a number of, um, number of reasons. If, if you run into a hungry shark, like an oceanic white tip, and it's just hungry and ravenous and losing its mind. It might just take a bite and attack you. And this was the case here. But why is that the case in the Red Sea? Well, they're known over there, that part of the world, for when they slaughter animals, cattle or camels, they're known for throwing them in there. And that's been happening for a long, long time. So sharks become accustomed to that. And that's where they feed. Plus, the shark that attacked and ate part of this guy was pregnant. So that's another factor. You got a shark that its instinct is to soon protect its pups or whatever, or protect the, I don't even, you know, they might just get rid of them as soon as they're born, but the natural instinct is to protect their, their lineage and uh, might be hungry. Pregnant, pregnant chicks are hungry. They're irritable. Who knows? But that's one. And then, you know, a couple, a year before that, they, they were saying it was a blue shark or a mako, but you got to figure too. Just because we're human doesn't mean we own this place. Doesn't mean that we can just show up and, and own it. These sharks have been here for, I mean, tiger sharks have probably been swimming by there for a million years. Great whites have been around for millions of years. And we just, you know, we're kind of new to this. We showed up. So it's it's very, very important not to get into a spot where you're putting yourself into danger. And like I said, with the fins, with the mask, uh, you it, you know, look, look around. But, you know, my experience with, with sharks, I did, I've seen, I, I went down with, uh, we were filming some TV stuff. I was with uh, Andy Casagrande. ABC4 Explorer, if you don't follow him, definitely follow him. Great. Some of the best shark footage you'll ever see. This this dude dives with with great whites, without cages, which is the, like that's one of the new extreme sports. Very, very cool footage. But just to see him in their own element, it's mesmerizing because sharks have their own personalities. You can, you can tell the great hammerheads are smart. You can tell the reef sharks are like puppies. The lemons are great. Lemon sharks are cool. You ever, if you see the video of lemon sharks uh, yawning, it looks scary as hell, but he's just yawning. I've, I've got a picture I'll post. My father and I, I, I've mentioned this before, actually, swimming on the surface in between Bimini and, and uh, Florida on the surface with sharks, with lemons and reefs. And, uh, you know, if you, again, you just don't do certain things. Don't, you don't necessarily need to touch the shark. If you're jumping off a boat, don't jump on the shark. If they're feeding the sharks, don't get in the middle of that feeding frenzy. But swimming with them, as long as you're cool, they're cool too. You know, everybody's like a bunch of Fonzies in the water, right? Like Pulp Fiction. We're just, we're, everybody's cool. But, you, you know, this stuff gets the, it gets the headlines and people love it. And then they go back to the, the, the movies, uh, Jaws and all that things where uh, the one where Samuel Jackson was, that was a shocker. I forget the name of that show but uh, they sharks are always the bad guys people are afraid of the ocean even though the the ocean mother ocean is is awesome and it most of the planet but unforgiving you're not going to get a, lo- a lot of love out of mother ocean and not going to get a love out of the creatures that are in it but it's this it's the same thing anywhere you go if you go to I, you know i grew up in montana I've been in the ocean now, and I'm comfortable in the ocean, and I love sharks. I, I love the way the whole thing works, and um, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Montana, and I was always amazed at the 
tourists that would come to Montana, and this is way before Yellowstone. I mean, not before Yellowstone Park, but before Yellowstone became popular on um, on TV. But I was familiar with the area. I was familiar with hunting. And when you go hunting, just like in the Rocky Mountains, just like in the ocean, there is prey and there are predators. And there's a, a natural system that goes along with that. And if you inject yourself into it, uh, like a grizzly bear doesn't really care what your political affiliation is. Just be smart about being stupid. If you go to Yellowstone... Uh, everything from a cow moose, which a cow moose are actually really cool because they're one of the few animals, a herbivore, which means it eat plants, it eats plants, but they can also, one of the few animals on planet earth that can use the word tree as a verb. Because if you see a cow moose, God forbid a calf or two calves are there, that moose will tree you. And if you don't tree yourself, it will stomp you to death. So that's it. Don't take a selfie with the bison. You look that up. People just going over there trying to take a picture with a bison, and then they get murked. The bison are big, and they will hurt you. Again, not a man-eater, but it'll be a man-thumper. So be careful when you put yourself in that situation. Another thing up there um, is the grizzly bears. So we get people, we have, and this is for years, as long as I can remember, we'll get tourists up there. That love the that are you know what we call tree huggers and that's great man you want a better environment that's awesome you want a cleaner planet that's great so do I who doesn't if you don't want a cleaner planet you're an asshole but also just be it's like the thing when certain places you travel just because you're not at war with someone doesn't mean they're not at war with you just because they're not on your menu does not mean you're not on theirs hence grizzly bears we got grizzly bears up there. But a lot of the people that love nature are like, well, I'm going to go for a hike because I love to hike. I don't like guns, though, because guns are evil, and guns are the reason there's so much violence, which is obviously complete bullshit, but you, hey, you do you. But they don't want to carry guns as they hike. So they have bear spray, which is awesome. That's That might work. Actually, I had a I was looking at bear spray. I hope I didn't tell this joke before. This is true, but it's his joke. I was talking to someone in one of those uh, outdoor stores, and I was looking at the bear spray. It's like 25 bucks, maybe more. And I said, wow, the bear spray is pretty expensive. And he goes, well, if you want to get a cheaper one, just go up you know, in certain parts of Yellowstone Park, hike a little bit. If You, you can find a, a free can of bear spray and a huge pile of bear shit, meaning he ate the guy that tried to spray him. Another thing they have, believe it or not, is a bear bell. So you ding the bell. Now, grizzly bears are smart, and they can hear that, and a bell doesn't scare them away. If anything, what do you think that sounds like to them? Possibly a dinner bell. So you got spray and a a bell, (laughs) and you're going to hike through Yellowstone because the bears aren't going to touch you because you love them. Not the case. And even these people that you see that are hiking through the on these trails and places where there are predators, mountain lions, I mean, even though they're very rare, grizzly bears and all of a sudden, I've seen videos of dudes with their families and young kids and a bear shows up and all they can do is go, hey, bear, motherfucker, you should have a gun on you. And I'm not saying kill the bear, but I'm saying get the kids going now, it's you and the bear, and if you need to shoot him, you might not kill him with a pistol, you probably won't, but you might scare him off, hopefully, but at least your family will get away, and that's a hell of an ending to your story, that's pretty cool. But I even know stories of... um, I mean, the, the way that I talked about the tiger sharks that know where they're getting fed, they know where the chum is coming in in the Red Sea. 
So do the Oceanic White Tips. So do the Great Whites. Uh, even in places like Bimini, where I said I was going, they we we get such good footage there because the sharks hear the the motors. Even in uh, Isla Guadalupe, I went down there. The Great Whites, the biggest Great Whites in the world, are there in Mexico, and they know the sound of the motor equals food. So you go down there the, in Bimini on Tiger Beach. They got these big metal crates full of of fish chum and the you know the pros come out and they they feed them and um they're habit they're, they're habitual they, they know ha- uh they know where they're going to get fed so the sharks know where to go they can hear it the bears know where to go and if they like to eat people and also here's something i i knew of guys getting killed like right near in between my home of butte montana and deer lodge montana where you know a guy would shoot an elk which is fine you're hunting kill the elk and then you got to go up and gut the elk. Here's another point where, just like swimming with fins in a mask, when you're gutting an elk in certain mountains, in certain areas, you want to keep your head on a swivel. You need to keep situational awareness because you just shot that elk. The elk is dead. But guess who probably heard that gunshot? The grizzly bear. And if he likes the taste of elk, which bears do, and a cheap, easy meal, he's probably going to come do that. And people have been mauled, not because the bear wants to eat the person, but he will kill you to get you out of the way of the elk you just gave. So the people with the the bear bells and the the bear spray and all that good stuff, and if it works, I hope so, and I'm not advocating for anyone to get attacked by a wild animal, but I've seen it myself in Yellowstone Park where a big bull elk who knows he's safe at Gardner, Montana, on the football field during hunting season, the bull knows he no one's going to shoot him there. He just knows and he chills out there. And for some reason, there's a six by six point bull elk chilling out, and someone wants to go over and get a picture. That elk will f you in the a, and he's got twelve total pointers and two that are called war tines. And I'm assuming without lube, that is not a nice thing to have happen to you. There's another thing too with the with the geysers, like Old Faithful and all that stuff that the geysers. People have that stuff gets hot and it's full of all kinds of acid. There are people that have tried to sneak in and get a, a, a late night in uh, hot springs, or God forbid, I've heard it before where someone throws a stick and their dog chases it and he jumps in, and then the owner jumps in after without thinking, don't jump in that 250 degree water, and then they die. And then by the time you're, you know, you're dead by the time the paramedics show up, and also people have just completely vanished. So it's all a matter of realizing that Mother Nature is real, predators are real, and even prey animals can mess you up if you're not smart about it. So just, it's okay to take off the blinders, if you will, and realize that uh, this isn't staring at my phone, and this is not Instagram, and this is real life, and there's, there's real stuff out there. So the ocean's the same way, but, but do keep this in mind. <clears throat> when, you, when you put yourself in that situation, you don't need to either. Because as much as I love sharks and I love swimming in the ocean, it's very relaxing every single time. I did some research and I found out, without a doubt, there has never been one person who has been attacked while sitting at the beach bar sipping on a pina colada. Getting back to Mother Ocean, because we've been so fascinated from the shark attacks that we're going to get into the... the uh, 1916 attacks off the Jersey Shore. We mentioned briefly, and I talked a couple weeks ago, about the ill-fated submarine that went down to the Titanic, and everyone was fascinated with that. I want to mention, and I need to go to my notes here, that 
80% of the ocean has never been mapped out. I love Mother Ocean. We, we know more. We've mapped more of Mars and the moon than we have of our own, our own ocean. And it's fascinating when I think about it because there's a the to give you an idea of the the depth of the ocean, the okay, there's five thousand two hundred and eighty feet in a mile. So five two eight zero feet in a mile. The Titanic is at twelve thousand five hundred feet. So that's down, what's that, two two point three six miles. Down. That's the Titanic. 2.3 miles, 2.36 miles down. That's also the elevation where you skydive. So 2.36 miles up is generally, if you go out and do a tandem jump, which I highly recommend because that'll change your life. Go to, go to a drop zone. Well, I highly recommend getting, I would recommend a tandem first, but then taking the class and then jumping with your own canopy because that's, that's just awesome. But when you do a tandem jump or you see the videos of the, the people doing tandems, they're uh, they're as high up as the Titanic. Titanic is is down, and so that's. I mean, you can tell it's a couple miles. It's a long way down the ocean. It's a long way up. Mount Everest is at twenty nine thousand thirty two feet above sea level. So five point five miles up is Everest, the highest point on Earth, and. The lowest point of the ocean, this is badass, is called, it's in uh, Mariana's Trench, which is off the coast of Guam, near the, not quite near, but in between Guam and the Philippines, closer to Guam, but Mariana's Trench, there's a place in Mariana's Trench called Challenger Deep, and it's the deepest part of the world, and that is 35,867 feet deep, 35,867. 35,876. Let me say that again. 35,876 feet deep. So we'll call that 6.8 miles down is uh, Mariana's Trench. And there are like three pools down there that are all the same. And there have been people going there. The first people to go there was a Navy guy and a um, and an explorer. Don, Don Walsh was a Navy guy and Jacques Picard. The first two humans to re- reach Challenger Deep. They went as a team. In 1960, how cool is that? So we've got guys going down there. And then 52 years later, this is actually a really cool story, is uh, James Cameron, the filmmaker of Titanic. He, he was the first person. He did a solo dive. That's just pretty awesome, going down that deep to the to the ocean. where. And they were saying, like, there's not, there's not even anything down there. There's, like, um, microorganisms, which I guess are little teeny tiny fish that are sucking on the ocean floor. And obviously... You know, there's you're not doing anything down there, so you're yeah six and six point eight miles down there, and you know other people have gone down there. What's cool about this it, now recently because of recent events, it's not going to be really popular to be diving to great depths in the ocean because I mean it is scary, but that's exploration. I, I still I still can't wrap my mind around James Cameron. Cameron, that's just that's awesome. But then like seven years after that, so James Cameron went down there in 2012, and then around 2019, limiting factor. Submersible started going down there, and this is where people pretty much just set records. Like there was a in 2020, in June of 2020, the first woman and also the first astronaut went down there, and then the first woman to be at Earth's highest point and lowest point that was in 2020. So people are going down there. First, um, first father and son, first Asian person, first Jewish person. You can kind of go down the list. Not a big list, but they're going down there, and it's just cool. That's a different world. And we'll probably never 
make that a, a permanent habitat, but I think it's awesome thinking about that the lowest point on the earth underwater because we're not even getting into the mantle and whatever else is down there in the shifting tides and why the planet's getting bigger and uh, I mean it's probably because our SUVs because the climate is changing because of our SUVs and the fact that you cook at home with gas you Nazi but yeah just kind of neat talking about the ocean and about nature and about the way it works and it's just that simple and there's nothing you don't need to be afraid of the ocean um, I when I I was filming a um I was working with uh, Andy Casagrande, ABC4 Explorer is his handle. Definitely follow him. We were working on a show to prove that you can do a solo swim at night in Great White Territory and not be hurt, which I did. And so we were filming all over the place. We started off with a swim in uh, in in Mexico, Isla Guadalupe, which, by the way, if you're looking for a vacation that you don't know what to do, they charter cage dives out there it's unbelievable cleanest water other than bora bora i've ever seen easily the coolest great whites i've ever seen including the ones i didn't see because you may have had an interaction with one uh went down there off the coast of california the reason we were filming this show was because the super highway for great whites is in between isla guadalupe up to about oregon and they swim up and down there and, and uh obviously navy seals train in basic underwater demolition seal training off the coast of San Diego, and the West Coast SEAL teams are there, and the Marines are there, and people are swimming there, <clears throat> but no Navy SEAL has ever been attacked by a Great White. So I and we, you know, one of our swims, some of our swims were out at San Clemente Island and in between San Catalina, San Clemente, off the coast of California. Great Whites breeding, <clears throat> and they're hunting, and there's sea lions out there. But my job was to prove that doing a solo night swim, which I did for a number of hours miles off the coast of California at night with just a drone above me and that'll get it um that'll get you going but I was I I mean it's one thing to know that you're going to be fine it's another thing to think how much water is below you and I was swimming at night by myself we have a lot of great footage of it we swam in Bimini with all the sharks um got great footage and what what I was proving was the that um that you're going to be fine in the water I'm I'm they never aired my show because uh, we were going to air it right around June of 2020, and that was the summer of complete chaos when Marxists were burning down our cities. I don't know if you remember these mostly peaceful protests where rioters were looting and burning sh shit down. And I was I was tweeting as it was happening that I was disgusted the fact that Americans are buying this stuff and they're funding them. I, basically, what I said was BLM was a Marxist organization, which it turned out to be because I was saying it because the founders of it were saying we are trained Marxists and we're coming after you. So I was tweeting that, but the the network said I wasn't inclusive enough, so they didn't ever air my show. I'm not going to say uh, which network it was. It's a, it's a pretty popular network. It's almost national, and they do a lot of geographic stuff around the world. But, uh, you know, they're good. They got good footage. They still have it. I wish they would air it because I'm just proving, hey, look at me. Dumb white guy from Montana can swim at night with great whites and not get touched. Actually, one of the – we when I was doing that swim, I got out of the water. We did it two nights in a row. I was off by myself in the dark off the coast. I mean, you can see the lights of San Diego but not where I am. And they were using some kind of sonar. And and Andy was showing me after I was done with both nights. 
and we're they're, they're editing and he was showing me this kind of sonar that they had and you can like with sonar you can sort of see colors of things and he goes yeah okay that's you on the surface right here and this is a couple hours into my swim my solo swim in the pacific at night uh and he goes oh and here's where that one came up to you and laughed and i go whoa, 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 whoa. hold the fucking phone when one came up to me and he goes yeah and i said and you didn't tell me why and he goes at that point it really didn't matter, did it? <laughs> He's either going to eat you or he isn't. And uh, there's no point in getting you scared. And I was like, that is a damn good point, my friend. But uh, they should air it. It is proof that you can get in the water without being eaten by sharks. It's important to be smart. Just just do uh, do the right thing. And, and uh, you should, should be fine. And if you're not, then, uh, you know, I don't want to hear about it. So, Mother Ocean. One, one of my favorite parts of the ocean was water drops we had different kinds of ducks a duck would be when you rig up a boat like a zodiac an inflatable boat or a high-speed assault craft like we did at seal team six rig them up with parachutes push them out the back of the plane and then you follow it in hopefully you have a parachute on hopefully it works <laughs> and then when you land uh you you take the boat apart and then you get on top of it and then you you need to transition from i you know a frisk suit i would wear a dry suit Get out of that and get into your assault gear. Grab your gun. Make sure everything's working. But before I would even do that, when I got on the boat, I love taking a dip. That was that was the ritual. Even on a hydrographic reconnaissance, when we would be floating in the ocean at night, dropping a lead sled, you're sitting there. I would put a dip in there. You're like smelling some diesel fuel, and you're getting seasick, but you're in the water and it's dark, and you're thinking about those sharks. Throw a dip in, it calms you down. It was a it was a ritual. We would dip every. I knew guys that would dip when they were. Diving closed circuit scuba, believe it or not. A closed circuit scuba is uh, is a bubbleless scuba for like ship attacks and stuff like that, uh, where you exhale through your uh, exhalation tube. It goes through a scrubber, and then you it scrubs it back into pure oxygen. You breathe that again. I, I, I knew guys that would dip doing that because it gets very boring down there just looking at a compass and counting your kicks or whatever and looking at your depth. And, yeah, guys would dip there to calm them down. I don't know if you, you ex, uh, spit through your exhalation tube or swallow it, but they would – they would do that, whatever. I never got that hardcore, but I dipped all the time. But once I got out of the Navy, out of that culture, I, I wanted to get away from the tobacco, but I liked the ritual of dipping. And you've heard me mention black buffalo before. Black buffalo is a tobacco alternative. And it's intended for, if you're a dipper right now and you want to get away from tobacco, try black buffalo, over 21 years of age. It's, uh, it's not tobacco. It's made from edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, no tobacco leaf or stem, and it's the same texture. You got pouches, you got straight, great um, flavors: wintergreen, mint, peach, blood orange. I actually have wintergreen right here, if you can see it behind me. Uh, it's there. So if you're a dipper over 21, go to blackbuffalo.com and use code the operator. Get 15% off of your first order, and the website will tell you where you can find the stuff. It's growing. We appreciate your commitment to spread the word. And grow the herd. Blackbuffalo.com. Born in the Midwest, raised in the South. Charge ahead. Blackbuffalo.com. Use code the operator. 15% off your first order. And on that, because we talk about security, that also means for your family. I'm all about being prepared because the perfect plan never exists. If you're prepared, it will help you when something happens. And if you haven't heard about this, Listen up. The USDA revealed that countless crops planted last season won't be harvested this season. Thanks to extreme weather conditions and worldwide fertilizer shortages, some crops didn't stand a chance. 
This is going to cause food shortages and higher prices. They seem to be getting higher all the time in the very near future. That's why now is the time to stock up on emergency food from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. I love that. Right now, they're offering a special low price on their best-selling four-week emergency food kit. This kit will offer your family peace of mind when food shortages strike. And this kit includes breakfasts, lunches, dinners, snacks, delicious with more than 2,000 calories every day to sustain you in tough times. And the food is delicious, trust me. The whole family will love it. You'll laugh at grocery store prices when you have these meals. To steal these savings, go to, I love this, preparewithrob.com. Go to preparewithrob.com. You'll get free shipping too. Don't delay. Preparewithrob.com. I want to talk about the history lesson that we mentioned before. I want to talk about the Jersey Shore attacks of 1916. So again, it was 107 years ago, and this is the first real series of shark attacks on people in the water that we know of on record. And it was actually, they said, the first time that people were going into the water was like a way to cool off. There was a heat wave in 1916, and it was pushing people. Well, that and a, um, believe it or not, a uh, not necessarily a pandemic, but an epidemic of polio had started. And there was it was concentrated a lot in New York, right around Brooklyn. I think uh, 2,000 people died, which... And then six thousand nationwide, which to today, today's standard, you know, we can we can roll out a pandemic that kills way more than that. But p- because of the heat wave and because of polio, people started going to seaside resorts. You know, it's like you know what, grandma got polio. Let's go to the resort. Let's start swimming. And th- again, this is the point where they didn't really think that sharks could attack man. They they thought that sharks could actually break bones. I mentioned that earlier. But let's go to the ocean. And even since 1916, there's been a debate because this is a this is an attack that happened where four people were actually killed over the course of you know 12 days, and then one was injured. And there's been a debate over who who done it, which sharks. Obviously, the great white is the first one to show up because no matter what what happens with a shark, even if it's not a shark, if someone gets bit by something, when they report it on the news, they're going to show the leaping great white in South Africa. Air Jaws will be on TV. But they've been debating, is it a great white? Is it a bull? Now, bull sharks, I think, are usually the culprit because they're they're assholes. And just by nature, they're assholes. They're just not a nice shark. They, they have allegedly more adrenaline, more testosterone and adrenaline pumping through their bloods than a bull elephant in heat. And that's all the time. So bulls are kind of... When we were filming that show in Bimini, there's a spot where right off the dock in, in Bimini, where like I'm talking the restaurant, the bar's right here, your hotel's right there. Here's a dock that has a sign that says no swimming because the bull sharks are in there. And the bulls, they I mean, they'll go out to sea during the day, but they'll come back in. They love murky water. They love the shallows, and they're mean. We were filming uh, a part of the shark show where Andy and I, Andy Casagrande, ABC4 Explorer, we're underwater off the dock, and we figured we'd have our backs to the pier, and we could see the sharks. And we, you know, even a camera, you can redirect a shark with a camera, believe it or not. It works as metal. It's metallic. I don't want them that close, a bull shark, but you can do it. We also had rescue swimmer safety divers, sort of, if you will. And a safety diver, they're just cool dudes. They're fun to have beers with afterwards because they're locals. 
and they carry essentially a broomstick so that when the shark gets close, they can poke him. <laughs> I'm serious. I saw it happen one time. What we were doing to get better footage was we had a guy up on the pier right above us. And we're, I mean, the water is maybe 10 to 15 feet deep. And we're having him throw pieces of tuna so the bulls will come in close, take a bite, and we get really good footage, which we did. But one time, I don't know where it landed, but a piece of tuna got way too close. My man didn't, you know, he he lost a little, uh, lost a few inches on his curveball or something, and it dropped in, and the bull came to get it. And I remember turning and seeing this bull's mouth. Probably wasn't as close as I thought, but for me, underwater, murky water at night with a bull close, he poked it with the broom. The bull went away, and I was like, and scene. We're done with this part but bulls they, they, you know ever since 1916 they've been debating during 1916 who who did this great whites bulls or the two that are most commonly um commonly brought up and, and blamed and there wasn't a lot known about sharks before 1916 and uh ichthyologists ichthyologists um they're basically zoologists except for fish they they tell us about the nature of sharks and this, after these Jersey Shore attacks that happened 107 years ago, they entered into popular culture where they were drawn up everywhere, caricatures, front page stuff. And these attacks have actually been docu documented on like Shark Week, Shark Fest, different channels. Uh, 12 Days of Terror, uh, Blood in the Water in 2009 came out. But um, this was on the Jersey Shore a long, long time ago because people were in the water now because it's hot outside and there's polio and all this stuff. The, the first attack... And we're talking about this because this is the anniversary of the last attack. The first attack was on July 1st, 1916 at Beach Haven, Long Beach Island, Jersey Shore. A guy by the name of Charles Van Zant, who was 28 out of Philadelphia, was on vacation with his family. And they were getting ready to go to dinner. And Van Zant decided he's going to go for a quick swim in the Atlantic. And he had his dog. This is important to the story. A Chesapeake Bay Retriever. You know, a retriever that uh, planted on the beach. They enter the water. As soon as they enter the water, ah, shortly after they enter the water, Van Zandt began shouting. The You know, it's one of those things where you always hear people say, yeah, during gunfire, yeah, we first thought, pop, pop, it's fireworks. Well, he's yelling. He's got to be yelling for his dog. But a shark was actually biting his leg. So Van Zandt was rescued by a lifeguard. Another guy helped the lifeguard drag him in. The other guy claimed that the shark actually stayed with him up until they got to the beach. Van Zandt's left thigh was stripped of flesh, and they brought him back to the hotel, and he actually bled to death before dinner on the manager's desk. So that's an issue, obviously. The guy bled to death, and that's that's a, a lot of ways. We talked before about a test bite. If, if a shark bites your femoral artery, you don't. it doesn't take you long to bleed out from that, but that's tragic. This is the first major attack. Uh, the second one, so that first one was on July 1st. July 6th, the second major attack. They didn't make much of the first attack. They thought it was a fluke. There was actually people saying that it might have been a huge uh, sea turtle because those things have big big mouths and they've known to be temperamental and it could have been a sea turtle because, like I said, not a lot of reporting on. The zoologists of the fish told us that there are not a lot of shark attacks at the time, none that we knew about. But the second one, was a Swiss bell captain named Charles Bruder. He was 27 years old at the Essex and Sussex Hotel. He was attacked while swimming 130 yards off the shore. This is what concerned me, because the first guy got bit on the leg, and, and they were saying everything from, well, this shark was going after the guy's dog and accidentally bit this dude in the leg, and he bled out. This shark bit this guy, the Swiss bell captain at the hotel, Charles uh, Bruder, 
it bit him in the ab- abdomen and severed his legs. Now, that's concerning. So he bites you in the guts, but he severs your legs. That's a big shark. And obviously the water turned red. And after hearing screams, a woman notified. A woman said, hey, there's a, there's a canoe out there with a red hull that capsized and was floating near the surface. wasn't that. It was a guy. And so lifeguards went out there. They rowed a boat, um, and they realized he'd been bitten by a shark. So they pulled him to the water, and he, he obviously, bitten in half, he was done. And according after this attack, because the first one they didn't know if it was a turtle, didn't know what it was, the second attack, according to the New York Times, which back in the day they weren't completely full of shit, they said the women were panic-stricken. Some had fainted at the side of this guy's body when they brought him ashore. And um, like hotel guests and other hotels, they raised money for the guy's mom in Switzerland. So this is tragic. People are starting to get concerned. There might be sharks in the water. The next two major attacks. So the first one was could have been a mistake. The second one, the guy gets bitten in half, large shark. So we're thinking of, obviously, an apex predator, I think. Then the next two attacks, here, here's where you start thinking which, which apex predator was it because this happened at uh, Matawan Creek near the town of Keyport on July 12th. So next two attacks. But the thing, Matawan Creek is uh, 30 miles north of Spring Lake. It's not in the ocean. It's, this thing is a, it's across from Staten Island. And it made it – this is the brackish water we talked about, and it's an unlikely place – for humans to interact with sharks because brackish water, but bull sharks are known to swim upstream. They live in freshwater. They, they, for somehow they've adapted and isn't that great that of all sharks that can swim up the river into your freshwater, it's these bull sharks. But there were even like sea captains that would spot in the, so this is the creek. They call it a creek. They, they would spot, an, some dude spotted an eight foot shark. The town dismissed him. But this captain saw this thing swimming in there. Allegedly, again, we don't know. And I certainly wasn't there. Neither were you. But right around 2 p.m. in the creek, a group of uh, local boys, including uh, an 11-year-old kid named Lester Stillwell, they were playing in the creek together. And again, a dog's involved. One of the boys brought his dog. And the dog was swimming with them along with these boys off this dock. When they saw, according to their reports, these are, these are young boys playing, their reports said they saw an old, um, old black weather-beaten board or a weathered log, and they see this thing on the water, they're on the water, then they saw a dorsal fin. Now, we mentioned the sandbar sharks and the large dorsal fins, but the sandbar sharks don't go into the creeks. They saw a dorsal fin. We're in the river, in the creek. That's a shark. So the boys realized it was a shark, and the, the young kid's still well. Before he could climb on the creek, the shark pulled him underwater. So the sharks got the kid, and the boys then ran for help, which is smart. Um... Several men, including a local businessman named Watson Stanley Fisher. He's 24 years old, Fisher. He came to investigate. He and the others, they dived into the creek to find Stillwell, believing him to have suffered a seizure. They located the boy's body, and they attempted to return it to the shore. At this point, Fisher, the 24-year-old businessman, he was also bitten by the shark in front of the other townspeople. So they saw the boy. They grabbed the boy. They saw the shark. He, He bit... Fisher, and they lost the young kid, the 11-year-old, still won the process. Fisher's right thigh was severely injured. He bled to death at the local hospital around 5.30 p.m. And then they found the rest of, uh, you know, the young kid's remains in the in the water. So now this thing is, a, is not necessarily a man-eater. This one's an asshole for sure. He just killed two people 
in the same area in the creek. And then the fifth and final victim, this is one on our anniversary today, was Joseph Dunn. Of, uh, he was attacked half a mile, uh, nearly half a mile away from that dock 30 minutes after the fatal attacks on Stillwell and Fisher. So the shark bit his leg, but this guy, what was, uh, his name was Joseph Dunn. This was a kid, not a guy, sorry, 14-year-old kid. He was attacked a couple minutes later. He was rescued by his brother and a friend after they actually played tug-of-war. They said it was a vicious tug-of-war battle between these two dudes and uh, the shark, and then Joseph Dunn was taken to St. Peter's University Hospital in New Brunswick, and he recovered from the bite a few months later in 1916. So now you got four, uh, four people killed and one person severely wounded by a shark, so we got to figure out what in the world is going on. So after that last attack, the anniversary being today, July 12th, 1916, 107 years ago, sort of was the realization that there are animals in the water capable of uh, attacking humans, and if you get into their environment, they might do it. So the knee-jerk reaction was to get politicians involved, which always solves everything. What are the words that you'd never want to hear? I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. But they started to appropriate funds to different places, and they were trying their best to do everything, like armed boats watching out for people and extra lifeguards. They got the the state, local, and federal governments involved. And there were just weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> some of the things they tried to do, they like they put up, they weren't even anti-fishing or anti-shark nets at the time. They were doing steel cages because now that people are getting bitten, they don't know what they're dealing with. And and so not a cage necessarily, but like the way the nets work, but they were steel, which is better than the nets they're using. Now the controversial nets in Australia that with the best intentions put up the nets and the great whites won't bite the people, but then you're getting marine life, everything that doesn't need to be caught up in a net and drowning a horrible death. Drowning, but like a um, whales get caught up a lot. Sharks get caught up, fish, sea lions. Every kind of marine life gets caught up in those nets. But then they had dudes rolling around in um, in boats throwing dynamite, <laughs> which to me seems more dangerous. An explosive in the water is more dangerous than an explosive on the land because water doesn't compress and it will liquefy your organs. I mean, sonar does really bad stuff too. Grenades and dynamite are more dangerous than sharks. We'll get into what's more dangerous than sharks. And then people would start coming up with the weirdest theories. Um, obviously, all you have is is newspapers and things because there is no internet. But just grand stories of what I saw and how I defended. And, and I was reading some of these stories of, of uh, these, these man-eating sharks that attack boats. And uh, they had to... <laughs> the, okay. They talked a little bit different in 1916 than we do now because I was reading stuff and a lot of things. I'm I'm sort of just compressing some of the articles that I looked up. They said, "Yeah, the shark was after the after my boat, and I had to beat him off," which to me sounds like an odd relationship with a marine animal. But I think they meant like hitting him with an oar, not beating him off, which has never been used maybe that works they say pop him in the nose i'm always i've always wondered how they came up with pop him in the nose or just pinch his fin but to this day they still don't know if it was a rogue shark or a, a couple of different sharks because one of the dudes was bitten in half which obviously the first shark that comes to mind is a great white but a bull 
shark can do that. A tiger shark can do that. Uh, devastating injury, getting bitten in half. But then, so it, it could be um, it could be a great white, which is what they always wanted it to be. But then you go up into the rivers, and that's that that's not a great white. That's that's uh, bull sharks territory. And a bull's a mean guy. We talked about him. They did eventually catch, I think, a uh, just about an eight foot great white, which makes sense because when when great whites give birth, the juveniles stay close to the shore because they don't. There's less of a threat to them near the the breakers as opposed to out in the open ocean because sharks will eat each other. Uh, fish will eat fish. I don't know if you know that, but juveniles will stay in there. And a juvenile actually, if a lot of people. A lot of people. If someone gets bit by a great white, it's it's because a juvenile is still just being a being a kid trying to figure out what's what. And if again, the only way they can test is a bite, and that's too bad. I I personally think that the bigger the shark that you, if you run into a shark, the bigger the better because that's a more mature shark that's been around and realizes what it does and doesn't want to eat. Again, don't be splashing, don't be all splashy splashy, and you're supposed to just face them and make eye contact with the shark. But uh, they wanted it to be a great white. They did catch one. They they sent it to the taxidermy and they stuffed the shark. And and I think the someone either the taxidermist or someone associated with the taxidermist was uh, involved with Barnum and Bailey the circus. And and I guess the shark that they caught, the great white they caught, did have. I don't know how how good the forensics were back in the day, but they said they found human remains inside the great white, and the shark attacks did stop afterwards. Who knows? They never found out. And some of the theories that came up with where these sharks came from, because people, they're fairly new. I, I mean, even reading that they were fairly new to to sunbathing and di- dipping in the ocean to get cool, that's kind of awkward to me, but I guess that's that's what. But they were wondering where the sharks came from, and some of the theories were because of the war. This is World War I. Uh, because of the explosions and stuff, the sharks left the Mediterranean and came over here, and some of them were saying they actually followed the new German u-boats or whatever and you know how it goes with with people when stuff when when panic starts to flare up and it gets um one person panics they all panic it seems like so you hear the craziest stories and people believe the most ridiculous shit i.e 2020 if you look back at that people believe some ridiculous stuff but they're saying why the sharks are here and all this stuff and and you know it went on and they were again that was back when they said just splash i i actually uh, during World War II, they because of naval battles and people getting into falling into the ocean after shipping wrecked the USS Indianapolis. I've covered that before. Sharks were attacking there. The Navy was trying to come up with ways to deter sharks. I actually tried this. I have some of the footage with lemons and uh, and reef sharks and a few tigers. I they have this anti shark dye. I'll post a picture of that old school Navy stuff where you just put the dye in around you. And I actually jumped in. Uh, again in Bimini with a bunch of sharks and and uh, was spraying that dye around me to see if it worked. And it actually did the opposite effect because sharks are very curious. So these sharks would come up and check it out, and I'm in the middle of this big cloud of dye getting getting a little bit bumped by some lemon sharks, which, again, there's a difference between being in the water with a shark, knowing that the shark is not um, doesn't want to necessarily eat you, but now he's curious, and you're in there, so it, you know, it, it, it's a little shady, but the, nothing happened. The dye doesn't work. And sharks have been fascinating. And then in 1974 is when it really got interesting because a dude by the name of Peter Benchley wrote a book, and I think it's called Jaws. And then uh, 
a year later in 1975, Steven Spielberg directed a movie of the same name, Jaws, and that fucked everyone up. Because <laughs> Jaws, I mean, you've probably seen Jaws if you haven't obviously watched Jaws. I was, I remember being from Montana, never been in the ocean, watching Jaws, fascinated with great white sharks, scared shitless of the ocean because everywhere there's a shark that's going to maul you. That's what I thought with Jaws. I mean, Jaws is, a, it was, you know, it wasn't, it was loosely based on what happened on the Jersey Shore, but they did Amity Island, Rogue Shark. Um, Richard Dreyfus was brilliant. He played the young, um, Marine biologist Roy Schneider was the sheriff. And even to this day, if you're in the water or on the water, near the water, even some places on land, some if something happens, someone will always pipe up with, you're going to need a bigger boat. I mean, that's that's how iconic this movie is. But Jaws screwed it up for everyone. And and uh, and people uh, familiar with the ocean, are they always talk about the real, the real Jaws. Like, that's a movie. It was a thriller. And... Sharknado, which I'm pretty sure never. I think that I don't think that was based on a on a true story, but the Sharknado with the tornado full of sharks and obviously they're gonna they're gonna eat people. And then and then I think that Doctor Evil had the sharks with freaking lasers and sharks are always around, but they're, um they're ne- they're they're necessary for the ocean, for the habitat, for the planet. You know, we love we we all love a good ecosystem, and we're all about the planet. And sharks are a major part of. The ecosystem, but I wanted to give you a little, just a little um, look back at history, how that stuff happened, and how, uh, r- regardless, regardless of what's going on and, and how our technology is, it, it, uh, panic is contagious, and if we all panic, we all panic in the ocean. But before we bail today, just to put everything in perspective, because we did say if you don't, if you don't get in the ocean, then you won't get bitten by a shark, which is probably true unless you really screwed up. But I want to talk about a couple things that kill more people every year than sharks to put everything in perspective. Because sharks kill, I want to say, between 5 and 10 people a year, considering how many people in the ocean and some of the mistakes that are made. You know, you get it. And now here, here's some things, though, that, that kill more people a year. You know that vending machines kill more people than sharks? 13 people a year die because they got pissed off they couldn't get their bag of chips or what whatnot. Their protein shake <laughs> out of the vending machine, so they tip it and it falls on them. Thirteen people a year. Deer kill 130 people a year. A deer. Bambi's mom. That's because again we talked about going into parks, getting too close. Uh, it's a wild animal. Wild animals are wild. Selfies. Twelve people a year die taking selfies, and I'm a little different about this one because that's kind of just Darwin. You know, you don't need to. Um, because, you know, uh, uh, car crashes, electrocution, getting hit by a train. You don't need to get that close to a train for a selfie. Falling into an active volcano. <laughs> to me. And volcanoes kill more people a year than um, than sharks without even the selfies. People just, you know, getting hit by volcanoes. And volcanoes, I guess, are dangerous. You know, 400 people, 450 people a year die falling out of bed. That's more. Beds, falling out of beds kill more people than sharks. And that, I'm assuming that's breaking your neck. Or whatnot, unless you sleep like on a bed in front of a volcano. Um, champagne corks kill twenty-four people a year, and that's probably getting hit by the face, it, by the, by the cork in the face at a wedding. More people die per year getting hit by falling coconuts. One hundred fifty people die a year getting hit by a coconut. And if you get if you if you live a life to a point where you're on a beach and you get hit by a coconut. 
I think your time was just up. Uh, 34 people die a year from hot tap water. This one freaked me out a little bit. 7,000 people die annually from messy handwriting. And I guess they attribute that to, to a lot of doctors that, that have bad penmanship. And so the, the pharmacist who reads your prescription for Adderall or whatever gives you the wrong thing and that kills you. 41 people die a year getting uh, uh, hit by a falling TV. And that's not like a TV that gets thrown out of an apartment in, in, uh, in Manhattan. That's like you just tip the TV over, I'm assuming. You're watching the NFL or whatever, and a Bud Light commercial comes on. You just tip that bitch on yourself and end it. This one is odd, too. I don't know why I was looking these up. Um, 2,500 left-handed individuals die each year after using items that were designed for right-handed individuals. Huh. Um, being buried alive, I guess 29 people die a year for being... That's not funny. 29 people a year get buried alive. What do they do to get... What do they do to deserve that? And then... Um, Elephants kill 600 people a year, and they're just big, fluffy, furry animals. I guess ele elephants treat people the way that do that people treat dogs. Speaking of dogs, dogs kill more people a year than than sharks. And, and I don't mean – I mean, usually it's like feral dogs or wild dogs, but they're dogs. I mean, not a lot of uh, tame sharks for pets, and pets do kill people. Hot dogs, speaking of dogs, kill more people a year. And that's not even at the hot dog eating uh, contest, which to me seems kind of dangerous. And then, of course, there's – um. Mosquitoes, I think that's the number one. Lightning kills more people than sharks, and so do roller coasters. Huh. I don't know if you roller coasters. I wonder if that's at the theme parks or the the one where the the uh, the meth head roadies are, are hooking it. Roadies, carnies, huh? But anyway, anyway these um, these uh, sharks are uh, they kill five to ten people a year, which considering a couple hundred million sharks in the ocean. Not a lot, and usually it's not on purpose. You get the case of a hungry shark, and that's, again, just your time. But without sharks, uh, ocean life as we know it would cease to exist. And I think we can all agree that we need a good ocean, a healthy ocean for um, everything. Um, the, the biodiversity flourishing in the ocean is linked to these apex predators. I love saying apex predators. And it requires the health of their population. You know, that even speaking of apex predators, I always think of the great white. When I was diving with great whites, we got so close to them. And we were in a cage with the whites. And that's a great idea. But some guys um, do it without they get They don't have black eyes like they, like they say, like in the movie Jaws. The middle of their eyes is actually blue, a really oceanic blue. But the absence of sharks would dramatically alter the entire ecosystem if we got rid of sharks. So we, we can't be out there hunting them, throwing dynamite on them. As apex, as apex predators, they stand at the top of the food chain. Uh, maintaining the balance of marine life. They control uh, species abundance, distribution, and diversity. And we all agree diversity is our strength, which in turn uh, affects the health of the marine habitats. And everyone loves a clean ocean. We need them. And they're not mean. They're just sharks being sharks. So keep a lot of that stuff in mind. When you get in the ocean, be aware. Um, just because you can't. <laughs> One of my sayings is just, if, if you can't see it, it ain't there, which, eh. But, you know, wear fins if you can in a mask. Be aware of your surroundings. You should do that everywhere. Situational awareness is key in life. Don't panic. Don't panic anywhere. Try not to. Stay calm. And uh, avoid selfies with champagne in a bathtub party next to hippos on a volcano, and you'll be fine. You're never out of the fight.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.